Over the past few weeks, there has been a wave of young and healthy people suffering from very serious adverse events, including cardiac events. What is really going on here and what may not be going on here? Also, history is being made at the FIFA World Cup as the first out, quote unquote, transgender, quote unquote, non-binary player is playing for the Canadian women's team. I'll tell you why I find it just a little bit funny. And then in some very not funny, very serious, but non-surprising news, the first ever so-called transgender state representative from New Hampshire has just been arrested on child sex abuse material charges. We will get into that very disturbing but important story right off the top. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com, code Allie. At checkout, GoodRanchers.com, code Allie. Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Wednesday. Hope everyone's having a wonderful week so far. You guys had a lot of interesting thoughts on yesterday's episode on the conversation that I had uh, with Bradley Pierce. So go back, listen to it, watch it if you haven't already. We talked about abolitionism versus being pro-life. Those are two different things. Both say that they believe that uh, abortion is murder, that babies are made in the image of God, that they have value, and yet they are at odds in different ways. So really interesting, I think, discussion. I learned a lot from him. Still interested to hear uh, what what you think. And I also just wanted to give you a little bit of encouragement based on yesterday's conversation. I got a message, I posted it anonymously on Instagram from this sweet woman who sadly got an abortion back in 2003. And she actually says she wishes that she would have faced criminal charges or that she would have had a fear of criminal charges for the abortion that she had. And something else that she said, because, you know, she thinks that that would have actually deterred her from making this decision that has haunted her ever since. But something else that she said, she said that if just one person, like if there had been one obstacle in her way to getting an abortion, if there had been one form of difficulty or one person who came to her and said, it's going to be okay. There are other options. I will support you. You don't have to do this. This is going to haunt you. This is going to hurt you that she wouldn't have done it. She said that there was no one in her life, nothing in her life to deter her from making this choice. And still, after so many years, it still haunts her. It still hurts her. It's still harming her in many ways. And while from our conversation, I can tell that she understands the love and the grace of Christ, which is the beautiful thing about the gospel that it redeems, there's still that regret there. Of course, we all have regrets over sin, especially such a destructive and harmful sin like abortion. And so I just want to remind you that you can be that person. This is not even about what I'm saying, abolitionism versus being mainstream, pro-life. Go back to yesterday's episode to get those definitions. But Just someone who believes that abortion is a travesty, who believes that that baby's life matters, that that mom's life matters, your words may be the deterrent. They may be the obstacle. They may be the encouragement. And maybe you'll never know. Maybe you'll never know what your social media posted. Maybe you'll never know what that conversation did that you had with that woman that you could tell was in need. Maybe you'll never know what your donation to a pregnancy center did to deter someone from going through with an abortion. Maybe you'll never know the effects of your courage and of the sacrifice that you have made and being on the side of life, but you can be that one person. I know it's easy to look at the evil, the wickedness that is so pervasive in our world and think that it's impossible to make a difference, that nothing good ever happens. But remember, as we always say, God's work doesn't always make headlines. A lot of times it's behind the scenes or behind the Twitter or Instagram algorithm. It's not trending. It doesn't go viral. It's not what people are sharing or people are talking about. And yet God's eternal plan of redemption is always going off without a hitch. He is always using his followers, his disciples as vessels for his own glory. 
as ambassadors of Christ, as a sweet fragrance to those who are being saved. So remember that that's still our job. It's always been the church's job. We have the same responsibility, the same duty, the same obligations that we have had since the formation of the church 2,000 years ago, the same God that was alive and working then is alive and working now. Hebrews 13, 8 says that God is the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we still have that same power. He can still work through you and he is working through you simply by your obedience in both word and Deed. So just remember that. We're going to talk about some disturbing things today, some chaotic things today, as we always do, trying to make sense of the chaos of our culture from um, as humbly as we can, a Christian biblical perspective. But remember that, like it's always enough for you to simply obey and to, as we always say, do the next right thing in faith with excellence and for the glory of God. You could literally save someone's life or God could save someone's life through your seemingly small and private act of obedience. All right. So that was a bit of encouragement until we, um, before we dive into the depths of depravity that we are about to look at in our first story. But it's important. It's important for us to do so because we need to know. We need to know the darkness that's going on. We need to understand what's really happening here. We need to be reminded that these culture wars matter. They have an effect on people. And more specifically, they have an effect on children, the most vulnerable in our society. Before we get into that, let me go ahead and take a pause, take a breather to tell you about our first sponsor for the day. It's an amazing sponsor. I mean, when we're talking about the most vulnerable in our society, when we're talking about especially babies, we want to make sure that we are supporting companies that are supporting the dignity, the life, the rights of children, of preborn children, doing everything they can to support their parents. And that's why I'm so glad that Every Life, a pro-life diaper company, has become a sponsor of this show of Relatable. Uh, there are a lot of diaper brands out there uh, that claim to be pro-family, and yet when you dig into it, they actually support the breakdown of the traditional family. They don't support the presence of moms and dads in the lives of kids. They support causes like abortion, which is absolutely awful. But you don't have to worry about that if you get your diapers from Every Life, the pro-life diaper company. They believe that no matter where someone is from, what they look like, whether they are planned or unplanned, Every Life matters and is a miracle. So they offer high-performing premium diaper diapers created with your babies in mind. They're made without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or uh, phthalate. I think that's how you pronounce that. And then they also have a buy for a cause bundle that you can purchase that supports families in need. Um, they uh, give essential items such as diapers and wipes to those families who can't afford those things. So there's lots of ways that you can use Every Life to make sure that you are supporting life. Go to everylife.com. Use promo code ALLY10 to get 10% off your first order. Everylife.com, code ALLY10. Everylife.com, code ALLY10. Okay, let's get into this story about our sweet, sweet, precious, and dainty Stacy. Stacy Lofton, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. And you're thinking, what? Stacy? Stacy, a name for a man? Why, yes, because sweet, beautiful, dainty, as we will show you on YouTube if you're watching, just the, the height of femininity, this Stacy. He was born Barry Charles Lofton Jr. And he made history as the first openly transgender, quote unquote, state representative. Um, and surprisingly, I mean, just complete and total shock. I ne never expect something like this. I've never, ever seen something like this. There's certainly no pattern of any kind of behavior like this, but shock of all shocks. The first openly transgender state representative was arrested on child pornography charges recently or child sex abuse material, as I think is the appropriate name for so-called child pornography charges. This story is extremely 
disturbing. So I'm just warning you about that. So this is uh, the what I'm about to, how I'm about to summarize it. It's from several different outlets. It's from Redux, which we cite a lot. It's also from Fox News, Mainwire, um, AP. So former New Hampshire State Representative Stacey Lofton, who is a man who pretends to be a female, was arrested in June for alleged distribution of pornographic material depicting children. He was initially elected to the New Hampshire legislature in 2012, but was unable to serve due to being on probation for a 2008 felony conviction of credit card fraud. So just like a stand up guy, this Barry. Uh, his criminal history dates back to 2002, with police confirming that he was arrested for domestic violence slash criminal mischief in 2002 and in 2003 for sexually assaulting a woman. Again, just a great representative of our representative democracy. Back then, he still went by his real name, Barry Charles Lofton. He officially changed his name in December 2010 to Stacy. He was then arrested in 2015 for making bomb threats to the Southern New Hampshire Medical Center. And then again in 2021 on charges related to the misuse of the state's 911 texting system. Despite Lofton's criminal past, the candidate was elected in 2020 and again in 2022 for a second term to represent Nashua, New Hampshire, uh, but was never seated for the second term after being jailed again for multiple stalking related charges. So clearly this guy is just trying to make a name for himself, a new name for himself, Stacy, by transitioning. Because if you transition, you are absolved of all of your immorality, all of your depravity, and all of your past crimes. Um, you become, rather than the oppressor, which he obviously is, the oppressed. And you um, get a lot of social and political capital simply from wearing a skirt and lipstick and changing your name from Barry to Stacy. On June 22nd, 2023, he was charged again, this time with four counts of disturbing images portraying child sex abuse. He now faces federal charges of sexual exploitation of children and aiding and abetting for allegedly using a connection with a daycare worker to collect explicit images of children. So this also involves a woman by the name of Lindsay Groves, who is just as culpable here, should face, I think, just as uh, serious charges and sentencing as Barry. Lindsay Groves, uh, the former intimate partner of the state representative, was arrested on June 22nd, 2023, on one count of sexual exploitation of children and one count of distribution of child pornography, child sex abuse material. Uh, she told investigators that she and Lofton were previously in a relationship and that Lofton had asked her to capture nude images of children from the daycare center at which she worked. She also told police that Lofton had directed her to inappropriately touch one of the male children while taking a picture and that she sent the images to Lofton. According to the Massachusetts U.S. Attorney's Office, a preliminary forensic review of Groves' cell a cell phone allegedly revealed over 10,000 text messages between Lofton and Groves that included the discussion and transfer of explicit photographs of children at the Creative Minds Daycare in Tingsboro, Massachusetts. Four of the sexually explicit images were of children who appeared to be approximately three to five years old. This makes me sick. I've read some of the text messages, unfortunately, extremely disturbing. I don't have to tell you the details of of all of them, but basically she would change diapers or take these kids to the bathroom. She would instruct the kids to put their shirt or put their dress or whatever over their heads. So awful, so awful. And then take a picture of them and their genitalia while naked and then send these pictures to her disgusting pedophile boyfriend that I guess she considered a girlfriend and he would send things back like, oh, that's hot. Do you think that he, she would let me do X, Y, Z? And then also explicitly said, oh yeah, I like that picture of, again, I know this is disturbing. I He would say, I like that picture of the nude boy, but I'm really in to young girls. Do you think that we could do this with her? Do you think we could abuse her? It's my language in this way. And even in some text messages back and forth, he asks the question, like, do you think that we're still going to go to heaven? Do you think that God is okay with this? I know he doesn't say anything against this in the Bible, but um, do you think it's okay? And she would say things, Lindsay would say things like, oh yeah, I think it's fine. I think we're still good people. I mean, absolutely 
delusional. I mean, God can absolutely redeem anyone. By grace, all of us are saved. That's true. But look, you guys, without that repentance, without the blood of Christ, you're going to hell. I mean, there's no question about that. So you can just, I hope you lay in bed at night unless and until you repent, God redeems you, which again is totally possible. I hope you are tortured by that. And then for all of eternity, unless you are saved by grace, I hope you are tortured by the sins that you have committed, by the pain that you have inflicted on these children and on these parents. What sick, sick individuals. And thank God for law enforcement. I know we talk, you know, joke about the feds and how our intelligence agencies have been totally captured, that they don't take this kind of stuff seriously. But I am very thankful that they're facing federal charges, that they have been caught. I'm very thankful for the investigation, for all of the law enforcement that has been involved in making sure that these people are being charged. This is absolutely disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Here are two pictures that Libs of TikTok uncovered, one with Beto O'Rourke, one with Eric Swalwell, uh, this man pretending to be a woman, uh, standing with them. Now, some people are saying that this is from his campaign for the New Hampshire state rep, that Eric Swalwell and Beto O'Rourke were campaigning with him. I don't know that for sure. And... So I, I can't I can't verify that. We don't have that fact checked. We just have the pictures that they have together. And to be perfectly fair, I know these clips are or I know these pictures are going around. But to be perfectly fair, like this guy may have shown up at their campaign events. They didn't know who he was. They just took a picture. A lot of people it, like even in even in my position, like people may ask to take a picture with me. I have no idea who they are, but you're just nice and you say yes. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily saying that Beto O'Rourke and Eric Swalwell knew everything about this guy's criminal history and then like went to bat for him. These are just some examples of him associating with high profile Democrats. And he did gain a name for himself, making history as the first openly transgender uh, New Hampshire New Hampshire state representative, whatever. Very, very disturbing stuff. The fact of the matter is, is that this is a pattern. It is a pattern. I know we don't want to talk about that. You're not allowed to notice patterns. It's like literally the worst form of bigotry, apparently, that you can do is notice that there is a pattern. Anytime I say this, that there seems to be a pattern, there seems to be consistent reporting of predation and specifically child exploitation when it comes to men identifying as women. I'll get pushback from progressives and say, no, it's cis men. It's cis men who typically do this, who make up the majority of these kinds of abuse cases. True, it is typically men, but there's no such thing as a cis man. Can you get that through your head? There's no such thing as a cis man. There's no such thing as a transgender woman. The reason why there is a pattern here is yes, because the majority of people committing these crimes are men. That's the common thread there. Like what's the commonality between a so-called cis man and a transgender woman, so-called? They're both men. They're both men. And yet I do think that it is even more pronounced, it seems like, even more prevalent among the men who identify as women because it is from a place of sexual perversion that they are even identifying as the opposite sex. It's not coming from a place of gender dysphoria. It's not because they were born in the wrong body. It's not even because they're really struggling with their identity. I think the vast majority of cases today of men identifying as women is because of sexual perversion and porn addiction. We've had Genevieve Gluck, who is one of the founders of Redux, on this show several times. She's done a lot of research. This is not just a theory that I have. She's done a lot of research, on, and I don't want to say unfortunately, but kind of unfortunately for her because the things that she has uncovered are so dark, and we'll link some of those past episodes, but looking into different organizations, their foundations, this ideology, it really does come from a place of... Um, uh, sexual paraphilias and unfortunately, tragically, disgustingly, a form of porn called, again, disturbing sissy porn, where the submissiveness of women or acting like women 
is central. And these men, I mean, this is even talked about among some men who identify as women. Addiction to this form of porn, seeing themselves uh, in their minds portrayed in this form of porn, actually getting addicted to the submissiveness of the female identity or what they think is the submissiveness of the female identity. And that's actually what tricks them into thinking that maybe they're really women because they have this kind of sexual fetish. Uh, You can call it autogynephilia. I'm not even sure it's necessarily that, although I do think a lot of these men just get turned on thinking of themselves as women, looking at themselves as women. Um, So I think that that is uh, certainly part of it, but I think a lot of it is just straight up perversion. That's something that we would have known 20 years ago. Like if you had a man riding his bike around town and he had you know, he was balding and had a beard and wore a dress. Like you wouldn't let that man come read books to your children at the library. Like everyone would know, okay, that person is weird. You know, you don't have to be unkind to them. You don't have to mistreat them, but that is a man. We all know that's a man. And that person is probably not someone that we're going to invite to babysit our children or to elect to um, uh, an elected position, a state a state office. As I said, this is a pattern. You can look at several headlines from Redux um, that show this transgender predator caught in pedophile scene while trying to meet 13-year-old claimed gender identity made him lonely. U.S. transgender sex offender and drag queen charged after teaching a dance to children. And we're talking about very sexually suggestive dances. Uh, Redux teacher who railed against TERFs arrested on child sexual exploitation charges. Um, Also, Redux transgender pedophile abused girl eight while living with her non-binary polyamorous family. Australian serial pedophile pedophile, who later identified as transgender had his sentence relaxed following his transition, told to self-manage risk of offending. Okay, Um, another one, UK trans-identified man pleads guilty to possessing pornographic images of children. So I'm not saying that this is uh, only transgender people or all transgender people. I'm not saying that at all, or people who call themselves transgender. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we seem to hear these stories a lot, a lot. There seems to be a pattern here that, of course, men who are attracted to what they think is the submissiveness in the female identity are also going to be attracted to what they see as the submissiveness in adolescent identity. Of course, there is going to be a connection there. And like you also see this kind of um, uh, apologist stance from a lot of these activist people that children need to be liberated from sexual norms. They need to be liberated from the protection of their parents. And it's the same logic that they apply to children getting chemically castrated, getting double mastectomies, getting uh, puberty blockers, that they believe a child is mature enough to consent to these kinds of procedures on their genitalia. They believe that they should be uh, talked to about sexually explicit subjects in school from a very young age. Um, And so it's really not that difficult to see where this is coming from. Uh, there's a defense of sexualizing children. Like, don't tell me it's innocuous for a grown man in fishnets and fake cleavage to read stories to children and to dance in front of children. Don't tell me there's not something nefarious behind that. It is all connected. And yeah, I know the pushback that I get is that, well, there are pedophiles and predators uh, within the Catholic Church, within the Baptist Church. Yeah, of course. I'm not saying that these are the only people who are preying upon children. There are all kinds of people of all different backgrounds, of all different forms of evil that prey upon children. It's all equally wicked. It's all equally wrong. But everyone on both sides know that it's knows that it's wrong and evil when we hear about a priest molesting a little boy. Like we all know that. And yet when it's a grown man twerking in front of a toddler in a thong, some people in our society call it tolerance. Like when you're reading books about masturbation to 10-year-olds in school, uh, that apparently is a form of inclusion. When we are encouraging young children to trap their bodies in a permanent state of adolescence, just think about what class of people likes that, through puberty blockers, 
That's called love. That's called compassion. That's called empathy. And so I do think that there is a distinction here. One form of child predation is very often tolerated. It's brushed under the rug or it's even glorified as uh, a virtue. It's not even called child exploitation. It's not called tearing away the innocence of a child. It's called inclusion, love, empathy, compassion in the name of sex education and openness. Um, When it comes from other forms, pastors, priests, stepdads, whatever it is, everyone knows that's wrong. But the progressive form of child predation, we're all supposed to pretend either doesn't happen or isn't really exploitation at all. That's the danger in it, is that it's Satan masquerading as an angel of light. So that's why we have to talk about it. That's why we have to talk about it, frankly. That's why we have to talk about patterns. That's why we have to talk about like why men are identifying as women. What's really behind it? I know like there are a lot of Christians who really want to think it is a genuine struggle with gender dysphoria that needs to just be treated with understanding. And that is true for some people. That is true for a tiny, tiny percentage of people. But yes, like we can speak with compassion to those people. And of course, all people, no matter what, are made in the image of God. All people, no matter what, can absolutely be redeemed and saved and changed 100%. That's what we should want. That's what we should pray for. We should preach the gospel to these people. But absolutely, you should be harsh and you should be truthful and you should be completely clear-eyed and sober-minded when it comes to the sexual perversion and the fetishes that are underneath this trend of men identifying as women. Don't be afraid to notice the pattern. Um, All right, that's all we got on that story, but then we're gonna go to another ridiculous story that's not quite as dark, thankfully, but still just crazy and confusing and what, what even. All right, uh, let me pause. Let me tell you about our next sponsor for the day, and that is, of course, Carly Jean Los Angeles. Now, we're talking about a lot of ugly. Let's talk about some beauty for a second because uh, beauty is an objective good. Beauty is something that holds society together. Beauty is something that God made that we should celebrate. And so loving beautiful, simple clothes like those sold by Carly Jean Los Angeles, I think that's a good thing. I don't think it's just superficial to care about forms of fashion like that. I think it can actually be God glorifying. And this is a company that does glorify God. They glorify God through how they lead their company, how they lead their people, the values that they espouse. This is a God-fearing family that runs Carly Jean Los Angeles, and they make beautiful clothing, high-quality clothing. Their basics line is all made in the U.S. I'm wearing Carly Jean Los Angeles right now. Duh, I am every day. I was yesterday too. And I've got my jean jacket on that they just sent me, which I love. I can't get enough jean jackets. And then this cute dress, not a maternity dress, but like with all their stuff, it's so versatile. I can wear it in every stage of life. And that's really what I love about them too. Go to CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. Use promo code AllieB for 20% off your order. That's a great deal. CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com, promo code AllieB for 20% off your order. CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com, code AllieB. Okay, I don't know if y'all follow soccer. I don't really. I'm not that much of a sports gal. My husband is very much a sports guy. He could probably tell you anything that's going on in the sports world at any given time, even though I never really see him watching TV. You know how, I don't know, some people just intuitively know what's going on in Hollywood. They know what's going on in pop culture. I think a lot of women are like that. I think a lot of guys like my husband, it's just like, I don't know, osmosis. They just get knowledge about sports in their heads somehow. And so he probably already knows the story. Maybe he saw it on Twitter or something like that. Not that he's like a very big soccer fan, but like I said, he just somehow knows everything that's going on in sports all the time. I don't. So someone had to send me the story and I had to look and I had to even understand what was being talked about because I don't even know what. FIFA World Cup is. So, okay, Rebecca Quinn is a female professional soccer player who is currently playing for the Canadian team at the 2023 FIFA Federation Internationale de Football Association. Football is another name for soccer outside of the U.S., if you didn't know that. (laughs) World Cup held in Australia and New Zealand. She came out as non-binary, which is impossible. You cannot be non-binary. In September 2020, dropping her first name and asking only to be known by her last name, Quinn. She also uses they, them pronouns, just like 
Legion in the Bible. Now she is making headlines as the first transgender player at the FIFA World Cup. This is not her first World Cup. She was on the 2019 Canadian team, but this was her prior to coming out. FIFA's rules, first published in 2011, state that the only that only men are eligible to play in men's competitions and the same for women. FIFA is reviewing the rules because, of course, they are, but has no set timeline for any updated guidelines. Um, also, she was previously the first ever transgender Olympian representing Canada on the women's national team at the COVID-delayed 2020 Games in Japan. She said that she does not plan to increase her testosterone levels nor medically transition through other methods while playing professionally. Uh, the team's roster includes pronouns for every teammate, of course, and staff member. Quinn is the only player who does not go by she, her. Wow. Um, okay. So if this person, I wonder why this person continues to play with women. I mean, I guess according to the rules, she has to. But if she did decide to go on testosterone, if she decided to make any other kind of transition, would she try to play with the men? I wonder why she's so comfortable with continuing to play with women. If she's truly non-binary, why does she, I mean, who's to say? what team she should play on, right? She's not a man. She's not a woman. I wonder why conveniently she continues to play with women. She will never advocate playing on the men's team. She will never try to do that. There will be no effort. There will be no protest. There will be no big push. The men's team will not want her on the team. There won't be this big uproar like there was when what's-his-face Will Thomas you know, was competing against women, the cyclists that we see, the weightlifters that we see, all of these men identifying as women, trying to compete against women. Because why? Because yes, there are sexual inclinations, but also because it's easier. It's easier. And as we saw in that last story, you get you get some fame, you get some headlines, you get some pats on the back. So it doesn't matter what a scumbag you were when you identified as your actual sex, you can become a woman and then all of that is erased. And then you become this super competitive star when you were number 300 in the world. Now you can be number one. It's an amazing, amazing tale of the resilience of the patriarchy, right? Um, and so this person is going to continue to play against women. Like she can call herself non-binary, whatever that even means, as much as she want, uh, as much as she wants. Look, she is a woman who likes to have short hair and wear baggy clothes. Like she is a woman who probably likes to wear pants, maybe doesn't like to wear a dress. She's what we maybe would have called a tomboy or just a soccer player 10 years ago. And that's fine. To be a woman, you don't have to like frilly things. Like, you don't have to love the color pink. You don't have to want to live in Barbie land. Uh, you don't have to want to watch The Bachelor every week with your girlfriends. Like, you don't have to want those things. I'm really, I, I mean, I like dresses and I'm definitely a feminine woman, but I don't like those things. I never have. From a young age, my mom, being the first girl in my family, the only girl in my family, she wanted me to want to wear dresses and bows and all that stuff. I never did growing up. I only wanted to wear jeans and a white t-shirt. And I went through the stage in my life where I really wanted to read books about snakes. And my parents were really disturbed because I would come home from the school library in second grade with books about snakes. But thankfully, they were patient and they waited for me to get through that very strange stage in my life. And there was no thought at any point from any teacher or anyone in my life that hmm, maybe she's confused about her gender. Maybe she's not a male or a female. There was no confusion about that. It was, I had brothers. I thought it was embarrassing to wear frills. I still kind of do today. I'm still not like a ruffle, like bright color pattern person. I'm a simple gal. Um, and so I'm just so glad. I'm so glad that I was just affirmed in who God made me to be, affirmed in my femininity and for affirmed in being a girl, but also not told that, hey, in order to be a girl, you have to wear frills and you have to like all of these things that the girls your age like. I'm glad that I was given some ability to just be a girl and to like the things that I liked. And so, I mean, it's not possible. It's not even possible to identify as something that you are not. And so this person in a quest to find herself, in a quest for satisfaction, in a quest for identity is trying to 
dawn a new character. You know, it's it really is like this very dark parallel or maybe I would say like foil to what the gospel is, is that like all of us are searching, I think, to for purpose, for identity, to find out who we really are. And Christianity offers that in a very profound sense that you die to yourself and that you're made alive in Christ, that the old person, the old creature passes away and you're given a new identity and a new self uh, made after the likeness of Christ. And I think a lot of people who are transitioning to a new identity, they're like trying to find that purpose and that new name and that newness. And they crave that kind of like redemption story that really only Christ can give. And yet when you exchange the God of scripture for the God of self, you become um, not just self-worshipping, but self-identifying, self-declaring. And so it makes sense that they're kind of rewriting their own parallel, like redemption arc, redemption story, the story of the old self passing away and the new self being taken on. But the difference is, is that that one ends in a dead end. That one ends in destruction. That one leads to chaos and confusion. I've talked to too many women in particular Yes, men, but women in particular who have gone down that path of trying to be they, them, trying to be he, him, trying to be something else. They're running away from their past. They're running away from sexual abuse that they experienced. And so they don't want a female body that they see as the center of uh, of you know sexual predation or a target for sexual predation or they don't want to be objectified anymore and they just want to be different. They want to be new. They blame their bodies. They blame their femininity. They blame their womanhood for the trauma that they've experienced. And so they try to hide themselves by becoming something else, taking on a new name, new pronouns, new appearance, thinking that that's finally going to protect them, keep them safe, give them a new identity, and it never works. Because they have this like haunting feeling in the back of their mind that they're not really a man. They're not really a they them because it's impossible to be. That no matter how much testosterone they take, how many surgeries they do, that they will never really be masculine. They'll never really be a man. I mean, it's the same story that I hear over and over again from these women who I think in a lot of cases are just victims of manipulation and also just their own dark thoughts. Almost always they have other mental health issues going on that are not addressed because it's politically incorrect for therapists these days to suggest that their gender confusion is actually based in underlying factors rather than true gender dysphoria. And as a result, you've got a lot of confused girls out there and you've got a lot of people chopping up their bodies trying to find some kind of wholeness and fulfillment that they will never, ever find in this kind of mutilation. I mean, if there is uh, no, I mean, I don't know a better example of how Satan works. It goes all the way back to the garden. Did God really say, did God really say male or female? Did God really say that you were made in his image? Oh, no, he doesn't want you to self-identify. He doesn't want you to try to change your identity because then he knows you will be like God. You will have power. You will have knowledge that transcends your current state. Take a bite of the fruit. We still are today, or a lot of people still are today. It's the same exchange for the God of Scripture uh, or from the God of scripture to the God of self. And it just, it ends the same way every time. So this is sad. It's a sad example for women and also ironic because again, I guarantee you that this person will continue to play only on women's soccer teams because no matter what language games we play, we all know the difference. We all know the difference in male and female and it's unavoidable. Um, okay, speaking of sports, we're gonna we're gonna talk about another story uh, that a lot of people are discussing, or multiple stories that people are discussing. It doesn't have to do with gender; it has to do with sudden collapses of these athletes. Um, and so we're kind of in keeping with the whole, you know, my 
expert topic, which is athletics. And I'll get to that in just a second. Let me tell you about our next sponsor for the day. That's Adele Natural Cosmetics. You guys know I love this company so much. It's been a game changer for my skin because it's completely toxin-free. It is actually all natural. Sometimes when you see all natural on a product and then you look at the ingredients, you're like, this, there's no way this stuff is natural. It's definitely made with stuff from a lab. It's definitely artificial. I can't even pronounce this stuff. That's not the case. When you look at Adele Natural Cosmetics and all of their ingredients, it's all from God's medicine cabinet. That's what they call it. They really care about every single ingredient that they're putting in their stuff. I love their skincare. I really like their makeup a lot. They make everything themselves, small batches. It's handcrafted all in the U.S., completely toxin-free. Plus, they're a Christian pro-life company, and they're very proud about, they're very um, open about that. They're very proud of that, and that's why I love supporting them so much. Go to AdeleNaturalCosmetics.com. Use code Allie at checkout for 25% off your first order. AdeleNaturalCosmetics.com, code Allie. AdeleNaturalCosmetics.com, code Allie. Okay, so you've probably seen some of these stories uh, that have been circulating online about uh, several young athletes who have been collapsing from cardiac arrest. Now, I will say I don't really like it. I don't really like it when we see these tragic stories and the immediate assumption, immediate assumption is that it's because of the vaccine. I just I don't like that because a lot of people have cardiac events. A lot of people have health problems and have had health problems for a long time, long before we had this vaccine. Now, again, I'm not saying that you shouldn't notice patterns at all. I'm not saying that people can't ask questions, but for people to come to an immediate conclusion um, that it has to be because of the vaccine, because of political reasons, because that's expedient for you to get clicks or whatever, I don't like that because we really don't know. So I'm saying that up front, we really don't know. I am just reporting on a trend that we've apparently seen a lot of in the past few days that I find really troubling. I don't, it could be because of mRNA or it may not be. Either way, it's pretty scary. So LeBron James's son, I did not even know he had a son, but he plays basketball for, surprise, surprise, for the University of Southern California, and he suffered a cardiac arrest during the workout just the other day. So a spokesperson for the James family told TMZ this, yesterday while practicing, Bronny James suffered a cardiac arrest. Medical staff were able to treat Bronny and take him to the hospital. He is now in stable condition and no longer in ICU. Uh, praise God for that. A 911 call was made Monday morning um, where they were practicing. So of course, a lot of people are going to jump to the conclusion that it's something nefarious or something strange because it is very rare for a young and extremely healthy person to have a heart attack. And it does seem that we have been hearing about that a lot. So for the people who are saying, is this the COVID shot? They're going back and they're asking, you know, what did LeBron say? Or do we know that they have the COVID shot? LeBron is on record saying that he was initially hesitant about getting the COVID vaccine, ultimately decided it was best suited not only for him, but also for his family. At the time, the NBA required the vaccine and he would have been unable to play without it. Now, I have seen Jason Whitlock, someone who actually knows a lot about sports, say that he doesn't believe that LeBron James or a lot of these major athletes got the vaccine. He actually believes that they just kind of said it for the purpose of PR to try to cover themselves, but that they didn't actually get it and that there's no way. Well, he didn't say this part. I'm just guessing that he believes there's no way that the NBA would have stopped LeBron from playing uh, just because he didn't get uh, the vaccine. Um, so uh, Dr. Jeanette uh, Neshawat, she is a medical contributor for Fox News, said that what is more common in someone like Bronnie James, meaning an elite athlete, is cardio uh, myopathy. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, not myocarditis. Um, uh, so an enlarged heart is arguably the most cause of sudden cardiac death in athletes. And um, so, I mean, some people disagree with that. And so she's saying that it's probably not myocarditis. But then according to Johns Hopkins, there is research coming out that myocarditis can lead to cardiomyopathy. We do know that the vaccines can cause uh, myocarditis in particular in young men. Um, And even uh, Elon Musk is commenting on this. 
He says, we cannot ascribe everything to the vaccine, but by the same token, we cannot ascribe nothing to the vaccine. Myocarditis is a known side effect. The only question is whether it is rare or common. I do think that that is uh, a good point. So you can make of that story what you will. Whatever you think, we should be praying for him and his full recovery. Uh, also, we just saw a recent story. This was reported yesterday by the uh, BBC. Grammy-winning Tori Kelly uh, being treated in hospital for blood clots. Two-time Grammy winner Tori Kelly is being treated in the hospital for blood clots in her lungs and legs after being rushed in a serious condition to a hospital Sunday after collapsing. So again, even though people are talking about the COVID vaccine, I have no idea. If she took the COVID vaccine, also there is, um, recently there was, uh, what's her name? What's Justin Bieber's, Haley Bieber, Haley, what's her real last name? Or her Baldwin, Haley Baldwin. She also went to the hospital recently for this. Now, something that we do know is that hormonal birth control, that that can cause um, a lot of blood clots. Again, we don't know uh, what the deal is here. We don't know what's causing it, but people are just pointing out that this is strange that so many young people are suddenly collapsing from these very serious adverse health events that we didn't seem to see uh, uh, a while ago. Um, Let's see. And then we've got ESPN's Shaka Hislop. Shaka Hislop, um, who just had an on-air collapse just the other day. We actually have video of that. We'll play it the naughty set from VSG. He's not gone on the tour of Japan. What have you missed? What have you seen? Shaq! Shaq! Wait, we need some help. We need Benedict. Benedict. Okay. Okay, so that was scary. Poor guy. I bet that was really scary for the co-host, Dan Thomas, as well. Again, people are pointing out very, like, you know, a young, healthy guy just randomly... Uh, collapsing uh, is really scary. The U.S. military, though, in the midst of all of this, did confirm a myocarditis spike after COVID vaccine introduction. This is according to the Epic Times just a couple days ago. It was reported on initially last year. Cases of myocarditis soared among U.S. service members in 2021 after the COVID-19 vaccines were rolled out. A top Pentagon official has confirmed. Um, And so a lot of people are linking this, linking this trend, linking this military report with some of the crazy health stories that we are seeing. It seems like there's been a spike of these stories in the last year and uh, in the last few days. I agree with Elon Musk. That's basically my assessment, too. We just wanted to talk about this because so many people are talking about it. And I've noticed this. And I wanted to push back a little bit against the vaccine narrative, but I basically agree with what Elon Musk says. Elon Musk, we cannot ascribe everything to the vaccine. That can't be our automatic reaction every time, our automatic assumption, because we live in a fallen world. There are a lot of things that can wreck our health, tiny microbes, things that we don't even know. There are a lot of factors that go on in people's lives that we just, we don't know about. But we can also not ascribe, we can't, we can't not ascribe some things to it. We can't not wonder, right? Um, and I think some people are afraid of that. On the other side, the assumption is that the vaccine has no side effects, that there's no danger to it whatsoever, that it's never going to have an ill effect or a consequence on people when we actually know that myocarditis is one of the symptoms. In addition to some other things that people um, have reported, like different forms of paralysis. Some people have reported blood clots. Like all of these have been reported. So I think it's okay to say possibly. I'm not sure if the right thing is to rush out on Twitter and immediately say this is absolutely because of the vaccine. At the same time, I think it's okay to say, wow, this is strange that we have a lot of healthy, otherwise young people, especially athletes, uh, collapsing and going to the hospital for very serious cardiac events, lung events, things like that. I wonder what could be causing it. If it's not, if it's not COVID or the COVID vaccine, what else is it? We should all care, right? Like we should all be wondering, is it the same thing? Is it different things? Is it a coincidence or not? But I do think we should set aside politics and set aside what we want our preconceived narratives to be and be willing to ask those questions. I think there are going to be too many avid defenders of the vaccine, avid defenders of our medical system in general. Um, 
who will not ask those questions because they're scared of being part of some right-wing conspiracy theory. But if we really care about people, if we really care about young people dying from things that young people should not be dying from, then we should be willing to ask those questions. And yes, notice patterns when they exist. Not create patterns, but notice patterns. So a lot of people are talking about all of this. I just wanted to point out that we've noticed this too. I obviously can't come to any uh, you know, medical conclusion about it. But we should be very, very curious about things like this happening on a seemingly consistent basis. All right, let me tell you about our last sponsor for the day. That is Constitution Wealth. So if your family is like my family, um, your husband and you, related gals, you make your decisions together. You make your big decisions, especially together the money decisions. Like I'm certainly not planning our finances on my own, but my husband isn't either. We come together and we have these conversations about how we want to invest, how we want to spend our money. And one of the most important things that we talk about is making sure that we are aligning all of our dollars, how we invest with our values, with our principles. And it can be hard to do that if you don't have a wealth management company that's helping you that is also aligned with your values. And that's why I really like Constitution Wealth. They aim to empower uh, Americans through wealth management services, such as investing, financial planning, charitable giving. They believe you can invest your capital without investing in and supporting companies that aid the different industries that you might not agree with. Maybe the tobacco industry, abortion industry, other uh, industries that conflict with your principles. And it can be hard to do that. It can be hard to manage your wealth in a way that truly aligns with the things that you believe in if you are not working with people that are on your same team. Constitution Wealth, they care about America. They care about Christian values. They are on your side in making sure that how you are spending and investing your dollars actually uh, helps you support and fight for the things that you really believe in. So go to constitutionwealth.com slash Allie. You and your husband, you can have a free consultation. See if this is right for you. You're going to love them. Go to constitutionwealth.com slash Allie, constitutionwealth.com slash Allie. All right, guys, that's all we've got time for for today. So much to talk about, so much to think about constantly. Um, tomorrow, though, is going to be a fun episode. We're going to finally be talking about that Hillsong documentary about Carl Lentz, basically like showing him as some kind of savior, some kind of God. And we're going to be talking to preachers in sneakers. Do you follow that Instagram account? If not, you should. It's going to be a great conversation. His name is Ben Kirby. We're going to be talking about like what's going on in the church, what's going on in evangelicalism. We're going to be talking about all that fun stuff in Hillsong uh, specifically. Also, I just wanted to tell you, if you bought a Do the Next Right Thing shirt or I think a Razor Respectful Ruckus shirt as well, um, it's taken a while for those to ship out and be fulfilled, but they are shipping very, very soon. Don't worry about that. You will get yours. Relata Bros, we'll put up the picture. We've got colors for you. We've got black and we've got an off-white do the next right thing shirt. So go ahead and order it. You'll get it soon. My husband, the chief Relata Bro, hasn't even gotten his do the next right thing shirt. And he's been asking me about it. So I we haven't even gotten ours yet. So yours will be there soon gals, get your guys, get your Relata bro a do the next right thing shirt. We've got lots of good merch on our merch site too. You can check that out at AllieMerch.com. All right. If you love this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. That would help us out so much and mean so much to us. We will be back here tomorrow. 